Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm your host, Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm discussing compliments, criticism, and hypervigilance. Hello, y'all. This audience is full of highly sensitive people and survivors of childhood trauma. And when I say childhood trauma, what I mean is abuse, neglect, and chaos. I don't like the overuse of the word trauma, but in terms of childhood, what was traumatic back then really wouldn't be now to our adult selves. We also all have experienced a lack of emotional education in our lives. Most of the people who listen to this show and who work with me have hypervigilance as a symptom. Hypervigilance is a constant assessment of inner and outer environment in an attempt to assess and avoid any and all threat. Now, no one is born hypervigilant. It is not a personality. It's not a temperament. Hypervigilance is learned. When our nervous systems spend way too much time and energy completely overwhelmed and overstimulated, our system sort of loses the ability to feel safe and calm and secure. We learn this through experience. It's not who we are. It's taught to our bodies and our minds from unsafety. Our most traditional understanding of PTSD, post-traumatic stress, is a soldier being in battle. Their nervous system cannot relax. It has to be activated and on the entire time. And our nervous systems operate much like the cheetah runs. We're only supposed to really be activated for very short bursts. The cheetah cannot run for hours and hours at top speed. It'll fall over. It'll keel over. Its system was not meant to do that. Only short bursts. And our nervous system, when we are frightened and scared, works very similarly. We are supposed to have short bursts so that we can fight or run for our lives. And then our system can come back down. When we developed in an environment as children that was just too chaotic, tense, confusing, unstable, abusive, or neglectful, our system learns hypervigilance. Because a child cannot really feel safe or calm or secure in such an environment. Children need and benefit from consistency, boundaries that help them feel safe. Children flourish in environments where there's an encouraged sense of curiosity as they develop into the little people that they were born to be. We benefit from an environment 
from a parental energy, from a caretaking energy that helps us navigate our worlds through mistakes. Mistakes need to be normalized as normal and natural. This is how we learn as human beings. Perfectionism, shame, reactivity, unrealistic expectations for a child's age, their maturity, their knowledge, their intelligence level, all creates hypervigilance. These inappropriate, inadequate, or abusive environmental experiences create this hypervigilance that follows a child into adulthood and rarely, if ever, goes away on its own without intentional work. We work in healing to reprogram, to soothe, to reparent the inner child, to become a safe place to fall within ourselves, for ourselves. It's why people like me, trauma therapists and healers, are always sort of pushers of meditation and breath work of presence and stillness. Because this is the healing balm that counteracts that hypervigilance that the nervous system has learned over time. So we practice presence. And we practice observation that is vigilant and smart, wise, but not hyper-vigilant, not hyper-aware. There is no hyper-wisdom, just wisdom. Hyper-vigilant is an attempt to block, to guard, and shield the self from a dangerous or just unkind world. And of course, as highly sensitive people, we want the world to be as kind as possible. We want humans to treat each other with high regard and high respect. You're probably listening to my voice right now and listening to this show because you're trying to learn how to be kind inside of yourself and let go of that inner critic that develops so strongly in households that are harsh or cold or chaotic or just inadequate and not very emotionally intelligent. Because emotional intelligence does not typically fall out of the sky. We have to seek it out and develop into it, develop with it. So much modern advocacy comes from this wounding, this desire. Across all topics, I can sum up modern advocacy as a whole lot of inner children screaming for the world to be kinder so that they can be okay so that they can move the world and not ever be triggered. And that's a very childish hope and expectation to have for the world. We don't want to hinge our healing. We don't want to hinge our okayness on the world becoming kinder. We can work towards the world becoming kinder, but we don't want to hinge our okayness, our wellness, our security, our peace on the external environment or world becoming what we expect or want it to be. Healing just doesn't work any other way than owning our relationship with ourselves and the world as it is, not as we want it to be or wish it to be. We must embrace what we actually have the power and control to change on the daily. And that is our own relationship with our own nervous system. And when we do this work, no matter what the world does, We can learn how to not be triggered by it on a day when the world gives us its best behavior and on a day when the world shows up and gives us some of its worst behavior. 
We can lean into soothing despite the sometimes or often immature, unkind cruelty, ignorance, and danger that is very real in this modern world and has always been true for all of humanity. What I want to talk to you about today is being able to receive what's good. And for this episode, I'm focusing on compliments. And we rarely, if ever, talk about hypervigilance and compliments in the same conversation. How do those even relate to each other, hypervigilance and compliments? Well, I'm going to tell you. And my first question for you is to dig deep and sit with this question. Do you know how to receive a compliment? Do you bob and weave? Dodging a compliment like a prized fighter dodges punches? There are many ways to block compliments. We can block compliments by minimizing. Oh, it was no big deal. We just sort of wave away that compliment. We block compliments by deflecting. Well, you taught me how to do that. That's why it's so good because you taught me pushing that compliment back to the other person, unwilling to receive it in that moment. We block compliments by dismissing and deflecting, just like that boxer bobs and weaves in the ring. I used to do this a whole lot across the board. The example I want to give you is that the truth is I am a damn fine cook. I know that about myself now and I can own it. And now when someone compliments me, I know how to say thank you and receive it. But for most of my life, if anyone eating my food would compliment that dish, I would not receive it. I didn't know how. I might say, well, thank you, but it's not my best. The last chicken I cooked had much better flavor or was more tender or juicy. Like I just couldn't get comfortable with allowing something to be good and allowing somebody else to see me in that goodness. Or I might have said, oh, well, you should have tasted my grandmother's gumbo so much better than mine. Bobbing and weaving. I was an excellent compliment boxer, a bobber and weaver of the compliments thrown my way. And I suspect many of you listening are struggling with the same thing. We can all understand that a boxer in the ring is dodging in good faith and integrity. That boxer is healthily bobbing and weaving to avoid punches to the face. We all understand that. We don't want him getting punched in the face. But why do you bob and weave from any compliment? What intelligence is fighting against a genuine compliment, rejecting it, pushing it away? For a tribe of people who will report that some of their main triggers, their main hurts, their main struggles in the world are not being seen or heard, dodging compliments seems backwards. That is most definitely someone seeing us in that moment. And if we want to be seen and heard, what the hell are we doing when we bob and weave from a compliment? So... In a hypervigilant attempt to avoid what's bad, we develop this sad consequence, this side effect, which actually winds up making us block what's good too. What this can mean for us on our healing journey, if we let it have meaning, if you're buying into what I'm saying right now, hypervigilance isn't really as useful as our system would like to believe. 
It's also exhausting, burning up our precious energy. It also doesn't really work when we step back and look at it. Seriously, my own hypervigilance across my lifetime, it didn't save me from much. It's not like I can look back and go, oh, well, I didn't get hurt because I was hypervigilant. Let's keep that hypervigilance going. No, quite the opposite. I was so hypervigilant paying attention to certain things that I missed major things. I've still been hurt. I've still made some very poor unaligned decisions while being maximally hypervigilant. We can certainly understand how and why the hypervigilance develops, why our inner child in his or her immature glory and wisdom decides to just build up giant thick walls, but the understanding doesn't quite free us from its binds. These walls build up in an attempt to protect us, and at some point in our healing and an awakening, we start to realize, oh my goodness, the walls are keeping good things out. So when I say this to people, often what I'll hear back is, okay, Nikki, all right, I get it. I understand why I built these walls up. I understand that I needed to. I'm not mad at myself about it in this moment. I get it. The walls were the best I could do to try to keep things out. Hypervigilance was the best I could do to hyper pay attention to everything, even though I missed some major red flags. I see the flaws and I often respond in this way. Yes, I'm glad that you see those walls and know that those walls need some adjusting. They're not working. But knowing that the walls need to come down, knowing that hypervigilance needs to be dialed down, doesn't really get the full picture. And in this way, our psychology can be tricky to figure out alone. And here it is. Are you ready for a new insight? Here's the part that is astonishing and bucks the walls built up and need to tear them down lens. The second someone comes up to you with a criticism, is it true that you seem to receive that criticism like a shot to the chest? Like you were absolutely wallless in that moment. Like hypervigilance did nothing for you to keep that criticism or that shame or that judgment out. You show up in that moment defenseless. And no, I'm not talking about it hitting like a little bitty BB gun kind of sting. Most highly sensitive people take such a criticism, take such a judgment to the heart like a damn cannon hits you square in the chest. How is it that we are dodging compliments, but taking every critical shot, letting yourself be pummeled with it? Where do the walls go in that moment? These walls that we talk about, like they're thick with no windows or doors. How could these walls fail to keep the criticism, the judgment, the flat out meanness that sometimes comes from others? How can those walls fail to keep that out so miserably? We wind up being... Like, like a mail slot that accepts all the junk mail through the mail slot. But then we refuse the IRS refunds, the found money checks, the handwritten holiday cards. It's backwards. We as trauma and chaos survivors with high sensitivity, we have to face the fact that we are just not doing a good job receiving what is good and useful and rejecting what is bad or unuseful. I often describe the effects of trauma as flip-flopping, 
certain things. And I thank my, my sweet, lovely audience that works so hard at life. Y'all are all such strong, capable, emotional badasses. But here we have identified another flip-flop that must be flip-flopped back in the right direction. Despite all that hypervigilance, that attempt to control what comes in so it doesn't hurt, doesn't even work. You've let in so much that is critical and you have rejected the light that people have tried to shine at you. You've rejected the light that people have tried to shine into you, for you, with you. Likely what's going on here psychologically is because of your own childhood development. You never really learned to give yourself enough positive reinforcement, enough encouragement, enough light. And again, for a crowd that wants to be seen and heard and gets triggered if they are not, do you see it? Right here is really the spot where we accidentally betray ourselves. And yes, betrayal is a big word, but we've got to get straight about some things on the healing path. And it does not work to walk the world and say essentially, hey world, I would really like the world to listen to me and I would like the world to affirm me. I would like the world to be safe. But when good things come at me, I'm going to block, minimize, dodge, shirk, shrink, all affirmation, all acknowledgement, all compliment. Oh, and and all that good stuff that I want from everybody else in the world, I'm not going to do any of that stuff for myself. If you can receive the criticism to the chest like a cannon, then the truth is, if you get real with yourself, that you really can receive a compliment. You already know how to dodge. What if you started allowing yourself to dodge judgment, criticism, negativity, harshness? So I've got a little list for you to help you focus on how to actually do this flip-flopping. And number one is mindfulness. You don't need a PhD in mindfulness to be mindful, y'all. Mindfulness is as simple as we allow it to be. It is just like a little birdie that sits on your shoulder watching not hyper-vigilantly, just kind of -of matter-of-factly. And it catches when you're in one of those toxic flip-flops. And that little birdie can whisper to you, hey, I think this is one of those times where we're doing the backwards thing. We've got to flip-flop this. Let's receive that compliment. Let's block that criticism. Second thing, those of you who are old enough to have experience with VHS tapes, blockbuster video, We rewind the tape. And that just means we let that little birdie tell us, hey, there was a problem in your self-talk right there. Hey, there was a problem in how you related to that message someone just sent you. And when we notice that from the whispering of the little birdie, we rewind the tape. We erase that section of that toxic flip-flop and we write over the tape. We re-record that scene again flip-flopped in the right healthy direction. We try again, simply and easily. Third thing I have for you, we meditate. And we don't meditate just because everybody talks about meditation. We meditate so we stop running from ourselves. So we start to embody what stillness is. Because whatever we went through childhood, 
we learned, I better not be still. If I be still, I'm going to have all my feelings and nobody around me knows how to help me with those feelings. So I'm just going to keep on moving and keep on moving and keep on moving and keep on moving. And we wonder why we're so tired. Many of us have not experienced stillness, maybe since we were born. And if that makes you sad, I love you. And I want to kind of say good because it is sad. And if you face it, you can get out of that sadness. So we meditate, honoring the reality that we really don't know how to be still. This is how we start to offer ourselves peace. This is how we start to work with our intuition because you can't hear your intuition if you're going a million miles an hour and can't get still. So we meditate, not as some kind of punishment, not as some kind of, oh, everybody else keeps telling me I should do this. Maybe I should do this. No, we meditate out of self-respect, self-respect for our grown-up self today and self-respect for the child we were that endured everything she or he endured. We step up as our wise woman and a wise man inside of ourselves to teach ourselves what our parents didn't know how, what we missed out on, and we teach ourselves stillness. This is self-love. Number four, we respect our own energy by honoring these new insights, and we know that we just have to practice flip-flopping when we catch ourselves in that old programming of rejecting a compliment, rejecting what's good, rejecting what's positive, letting in the criticisms, we notice that with our mindfulness and we respect our own energy by simply and swiftly practicing flip-flopping. I love doing this in group work because the second that I bring this up and the next person receives a compliment, you can see them digging their heels in and bracing for receiving that compliment very much like we might brace if we knew we were going to get punched in the face. And often we have a good laugh because yes, that is just silly, isn't it? It may be how we're accidentally programmed, but the laughter is important too. The more that we laugh, the more that we're not in that hypervigilant about to be in fight or flight. That helps our system very, very much. It is uncomfortable to come into the body and to receive what we don't really have muscles to receive. This is how we build those muscles. This is why today when someone compliments my food with my head held high, I don't dodge it. I let it come right at me, square at me right in the heart. And I go, thank you. I have worked hard on how to perfect that dish. I'm so glad I get to share it with you. The fifth one, I mentioned it in the fourth, is to laugh. We are as humans, lovely, sometimes ridiculous, sometimes goofy, sometimes serious, complex, beautiful human beings who make a lot of mistakes along the way. The concept that I'm sharing with you today about compliments and criticism. It's so okay to sit back and laugh at ourselves. What a silly thing. What a silly flip-flop that just has not served us. And we can serve ourselves so much better. Isn't that a relief? Let it be a relief. And the sixth thing I have for you to work on this is to invite you to join the boundaries course so that you can learn boundaries in the nuanced way that I teach it so that you can boundary 
in ways that are appropriate and honoring of what you've been through in your past and what you want for your life in the future and learning how to be in the present moment. I want to help you learn how to boundary so that you don't just have walls that don't really work sometimes. I want you to have control over having walls, sometimes half walls, doors, windows, maybe skylights. You get to learn through healthy boundaries work how to sort of let the right stuff in and keep the wrong stuff out. This is such a big part of our healing. It's why I have lessons in the boundaries course about lighting up for ourselves, about what to do with our triggers, because the little kid in us just really wants to live never, ever being triggered. And we have to accept acceptance and dealing with our expectations is another lesson in the boundaries course. We have to accept that the world is likely always to be a triggering place, especially for a sensitive being. In that course, we learn what to do with our triggers instead of just closing our eyes and crossing our fingers and hoping that the triggering response goes away or the trigger goes away. We work with it until we're no longer triggered. My belief is that you, me, all of us, we were born to be able to feel joy and peace. That's what makes being alive feel so amazing to be able to connect to beauty and see more beauty, not just the kind of beauty that's in sunsets or in a wild animal or in the mountains or a beach, but the kind of beauty that you have in you, your strength, your sense of wonder, your smile, the way your mind thinks and works like nobody else's. And learning to find beauty in what so much of the world rejects, like your exceptional sensitivity. I am grateful every day in my work for the beauty my clients share with me, even when they don't know yet that what they're sharing with me is beautiful. I have the strongest, most beautiful, most amazing, most resilient, most intelligent, most heartfelt clients in the whole world. And I know that I have done my work well with them when they can see the beauty that I can see in them. You deserve to receive compliments and you are worthy of learning how and practicing and getting stronger, swifter, more ease with keeping what won't serve you out. It's doable. It really is. Even if it feels so far away or so impossible, I know it because I've learned it. And I had one of the most critical shaming voices that I've ever seen or heard. If you are motivated to love yourself in such a way, you absolutely 100% can grow into reprogramming, into flip-flopping every single thing inside of you that needs the flip-flop. Light and love. Learn more about the course or sign up at emotionalbadass.com backslash boundaries. We start October 10th. You get to spend a whole lot of time with me. I teach live. It's not a, an evergreen course that just sits there. And when you buy it, you get videos. I'm there teaching live. You're going to be able to ask me questions live if you're there live. If you feel moved to learn boundaries with me, I cannot wait to meet you. Light and love. I'm an emotional badass. You are an emotional badass. And together, now and always, we are where Moxie meets Mindful. 
I'll see you right here next time with a brand new episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.